Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, hello and good day, magnificent citizen of planet Earth. What a privilege to be with you again today. We have another fantastic episode of the show. We have Reverend Bill McDonald in part two, where we are talking about exploring Babaji's cave, holy men and ascended masters. If you've listened to part one, you know his stories are pretty incredible and he's in the middle of one now and it just really continues and um in this one he continues on to share the story but he talks about the two types of advice from gurus creating an empowering perspective why miracles still happen but you and why you may not be experiencing them the group healing after a heart attack with a guru in india um accepting and knowing that you are an eternal student and so much more so this is a fantastic episode if you enjoyed part one you're going to enjoy part two if you like the show and you want to support, please take a moment to share on Instagram, tag me at Matt Belair, share on Facebook. That really helps. You can leave a review on iTunes. Those are really helpful as well. And if you want to toss a buck in the bucket on Patreon, any denomination is super helpful. Uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. It helps a lot. And I want to thank so much Kelly Yarbrough. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. I appreciate your support and chipping in. It means a lot. So thank you so very much much but the best thing that you can do to support the show as always is do one kind act for another human being today pick up a piece of trash give somebody a compliment say a kind word listen to somebody just do one kind act today is the best way you can support the show for those of you guys who are interested in coaching speaking and training and you want to really take a look at and uncovering your life purpose breaking through any kind of limitations beliefs programs that are blocking you from creating your preferred reality mentally spiritually emotionally and physically if you want to learn about peak performance the law of attraction and all things mystical and learn the tools and systems and strategies that actually work hit me up matt at zenathlete.com i'm happy to do some one-on-one coaching with you work with your organization do uh, coaching speaking or training so just make an inquiry on the website and i'll happily help you out um, so i think that wraps this up uh, sign up for the email list at mattbelair.com there's a free lucid dreaming over there if you like and I think that's it. So uh, let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we get into this amazing part two. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just let it out slowly, filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, connection, inspiration, enthusiasm, and ready to take on this amazing episode with Reverend Bill McDonald. You got to help me. And I'm going, what do you mean help you? Aren't you this guy? He says, yeah, I'm in charge of several temples. He's like some kind of like a cardinal. I guess if it was Catholic, it'd be cardinal. He's in charge of like a bunch of temples. I mean, he was like the big guy. And I said, you know, I'm just, I'm just this dumb old man from America. And he says, 
No. No. I know you are. I want you to show me how to do Kriya Yoga. I want you to show me how to do this. I want you to show and what does this mean? And what does that mean? So I spent an hour instructing this guy, and I'm going, I'm getting ripped off. I'm going to India to find somebody to give me something, and everywhere I'm going, I'm giving. I'm not getting. It's like, it was, it was driving me crazy, right? So um, so I go through this whole thing, and then, and then I said, okay, you can do something for me now. He says, okay. I said, I got some grandkids. I told their names. And I got one on, you know, and, and I may have some in the future, but I, I want you to, to, to chant and give a blessing to him. He says, okay. So he reaches into his pocket and he takes out this little velvet pouch, kind of like if you go to a liquor store and you buy those whiskeys that got the little velvet pouch around them. That's what it looked like. It could have been, who knows, but it was like with the strings and everything. So he opens it up and he takes out a handful of gemstones, white, blue, green, yellow, red. I mean, I'm looking at them. They're not cut, you know, edge really cool, but they're like, they look like the real deal, uncut. And he takes them, he puts them in his fist, and then he puts his fist on his head, and he starts going, Om Shanti, and he's gave out their names. And when I turn around and look out down the hallway, where his direction his chant is going, it's like when you're driving across the desert or, or hot pavement and you look down the road and there's wavy lines from the evaporation or the heat waves, except it wasn't heat waves. The energy was making the air wavy, just like heat waves on a desert. It was like, I go, wow. And that's where he was directing the energy to. And I'm going, okay, that's fine. So me and my friend, anyway, my friend came, I took him to the roof. We meditated on the roof. Meditating on a temple roof is one of the greatest things. That's something that I do when I go around the world. I did this at the Notre Dame before it caught fire. Back in early 1960s, I climbed out a window at the Notre Dame and went up onto the buttress and spent four hours meditating on the rooftop. You can't do that. They'd think you're a terrorist now. But all these temples I go to, I always find a way to get on the temple roof, which I don't consider a sacrilege. Some people may. But I get all the energy of the place. It just draws it. It just, it feels right. Anyway, so it felt right on the roof. So we come back down, and this guy wants us to stay. He wants me to stay forever. You can stay as long as you want. He goes, it's your temple. I go, what do you mean it's your temple? No, this is your temple. Basically, he's trying to tell me that I built this or something. You know, it's your temple. You know, you're my brother. And I said, well, this lifetime, I got a family, I got a life. I will, uh, I need to go and uh, I will not see you again. He says, oh, not this lifetime, but you will see me again. I said, okay, fine. So we leave. And so here's our different journeys. Now my friend, we leave, we get back in the car and my friend gets down to basically verbally beating up the driver saying, what were you doing? You took us this place. And and I'm trying to tell him the beautiful story of what happened. And it was like, the next three days, that's all I could think about was that. So now we go to this little town in the desert. We're driving into the town, and you've probably been there. I'm trying to think, Pidcar, Pidcar, uh, trying to think of the name of this place. It's got a little lake in the middle of it, and it's got the town all the way around it. Uh, it'll come to me. Like 
but I know Pakara in Nepal, but it's now, not, I haven't been to India yet, but okay. I'd like to go. It's a little, little, it's a little city. In the middle of the city, they got this water. It's not very big. And the temples all face into it and everything, but you can't see it from the outside. There's streets and businesses. You wouldn't even know it's there. You could go down an alley and, oh, there's a lake back here. So when you come into the town, the game they got there in this town is they got these assistants out there, right? You come into town, he gives you a flower. He says, take this flower. I said, I'm buying no flowers. Oh, no, 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 no. This is a, it's a gift. It's free. Well, there's nothing free in India, right? It's free. You go, go to the lake, and then you throw in the lake and get blessed. That's tradition. I said, okay, fine. So we go to the town. We find our way into the inside of the temple. I got the flower. And of course, everybody's looking at me as I'm walking around the flower because everybody knows the joke in the town. Right? Yeah, they, you're going to get hit on by these priests in there and you have to pay money, right? I mean, there's another dumb Westerner coming with the flower, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, it was. Anyway, so we walk in there and these two guys come at my buddy and me, and they want, they're going to show us how to do this and help us get blessed. So I said, I don't need you to bless me. And I don't need to pay you to bless me. I don't pay for blessings. Well, you know, so my friend ends up paying the other guy. And he goes, your friend paid, you should pay. And I go, no, I don't pay. Because in the beginning of the thing, he told me, oh, no, we're doing this free. And then as soon as he was halfway through, then he wanted the money, right, of course. That was the same. I knew that was going there. So I refused to pay. He made a big stink. He was going to call the cops. He was going to get his buddies beat us up. I said, go, do it. So I left there and I went back into the town itself. And the point of this story is, unpaid for blessings. Here's the part of the story where I'm going. I was upset a little bit by that. I'm thinking, I go to India and all these guys want to get paid to bless me. I ain't doing that. The God that I know and loves me has all the money he wants. Doesn't need any more. I don't have to pay for his blessing. He blesses me all the time. And as I'm standing, I feel like somebody's looking at me. You know you when know, somebody's looking at you? And I turn around. And on the other side of this open market area, cobblestone area, is this guru guy. Kind of looked like C. Riteshwar, kind of like, you know, white hair, white beard. I mean, everybody looks the same to me. I'm going, what is this? Look, I'm going, my God, this guy looks just like, I'm imagining everybody's looking like that. So I turned away, then I turned back. He's still looking at me. He's still looking. He's still doing this. And then he's putting his hands down behind his back. He's just watching me. This is going on four, five, six minutes. Could have been 10. I have no clue how long. But it's not uncomfortable. It's like love. I'm looking at love. I'm feeling it. And I feel no need to go up to him and do anything other than just give him an acknowledgement. And I turned around and I left. Turned around, you're still watching me, right? But I didn't feel that I was supposed to go connect with them because I felt the whole purpose was at that other level. Whatever it was, I was blessed. So my first trip to India was a whole bunch of stuff like that. It was just amazing, amazing stuff. Stuff that just drive you crazy. And it's like we're coming back out of the Himalayas and Traffic was backed up. You're coming down towards the Ganges River, right? The Ganges River. And everybody stops on this road, the freeway. They get out with their jugs of water. 
and they hold up traffic to go down, scoop up a thing, put a cap on it, and fill it up, then get the car, then drive. So naturally, the traffic's backed all the way up to the hills. So we're stopped in this traffic. And the lane going the other way, back towards the hills where we came, nobody on it. Once in a while, we see somebody passing illegally going down the wrong side of the road. And all of a sudden, we see this impatient bus driver, man. This guy's just barreling down the road. We see him coming down on the wrong side of the road. You can't see what's around the corner. Parked next to us was a farm tractor towing a cart full of sugar beets or something. And it had a bunch of people sitting on it. In other words, what these farmers do, they're driving down the road with their produce, but they're going to charge, you know, 20 cents, 50 cents, whatever it is, equivalent, right? Give them a ride. They'll give people a ride as they go. You know, hop in, you know, and so they make a little extra pay for their gas. So you had all these people sitting on the back of that. And I'm watching this guy on the top of that. And there's an old guy that's just staring at me. We're eyeball to eyeball, right? And next thing I know, I see this bus coming on the right side. And it pulls right in front of us because there's a semi-truck coming the other way. It's going to be a head-on collision with the bus. So this guy pulls right in front of us, and he hits this tractor. It jackknifes, and the guy that's sitting on top of that sugar beet pile flies up in the air. It makes a sound just like that. He comes down and lands flat on the asphalt. And he's motionless. And I see the bus driver, as soon as that traffic was clearing to the other side, he backs up and he takes off, hit and run. And he's gone down, right? I jump out of the car and I go to this guy laying on the ground. I cuddle in my arms and I'm praying for this guy. And he's not breathing. There's no pulse. It's nothing. He's dead. And so my first thought is, because you know, I used to be a lifeguard, I'm, I'm going to give him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. And I was going to give him some heart pumps, but I thought, he just fell pretty hard on <laughs> maybe something's broken in. I don't know if I want to do that, but but I was seriously thinking about mouth to mouth. And then I looked at how dirty he was and how diseased looking he was. And and the whole area, that part of India, AIDS was epidemic and tuberculosis and all these other things. So I'm thinking, do I have a right to endanger my life and take take my life where I got a family to come back to, grandkids waiting for to be raised? And do I have a right to do that, take that risk? If I was single then, you know, it's but I'm risking it for other people. As so I had this big battle going, you know, I wanted to it. So I just gave him love. I put water on him, washed him. I'm just, and I prayed to Babaji. I just offered my love. And the guy opens his eyes. And he's just staring at me. And I gently put him down, put somebody's jacket under his head and everything. And I heard this noise and screaming and bloody murder. And I look up, they had caught the bus driver down a few car lanes down, right? They dragged him out of the bus, and they were dragging him back to where this accident was at. And everybody that was in the car was getting out and hitting him. He must have got hit by 200 people. He was a bloody mess. And so what did I do? I gently set this guy down, and I run into this mob, and I pull people away from the guy, and I stand in front of the guy trying to stop this mob violence. And all of a sudden, I hear... I feel two arms around me that I can't move, being dragged away. It's my driver. And he says, Bill, it's village justice. Stay out of it. <laughs> he drags me away, right? But I go, I can't. And then just then a, a police officer, a military man or somebody 
was coming in uniform and he had an automatic weapon, you know. And, and the guy goes, arrest me, arrest me, arrest me. And he practically put the handcuffs on himself, right? And they took him away. They were going to kill him. They were going to beat him to death. But I had so much compassion for the guy getting beat up, even though he did this. I was risking my own life. And it hadn't been for my driver. I, I don't think this mob would have let me, you know, stop them. I think they would have did that. So it, the first trip to India was just lots and lots of stories like that. So I, probably about 20 more stories like that on my first trip. But what happens is this. I went there looking for the guru on the mountaintop experience, but I didn't find the guru that I was looking for until I went on YouTube. Years later, because when I came back from that trip from India, uh, I was so sick. Remember, I had the heart attack, right? And being a guy, well, how long do you, you wait months for you with the doctor, right? Well, I had a heart attack. Okay. It's, so anyway. Walk it off. Yeah, walk it off. Well, so I come back. And I, and, and, and Bill, before you go into this one, because I want to ask you, I got like probably 15 more minutes those stories are ridiculous. And I know in looking at your bio and some of the stuff, you have other stories of holy men um, in, in Vietnam, which sound incredible. You only kind of like breach the service on those. As, and, and I know you got like even like UFO, paranormal, near death, time travel, literally everyone. And man, I know that you have a YouTube channel, so I want people to check that out. I think that it'd be interesting if you like, you know, each one, because there's so many, like your top 10, and then just go, start busting them down the line, each one, because I'll literally listen to every story as, as long as you want to go. But I want to make sure before, um, and, and finish this one, but what I want to get in there before, like, um, I want to make sure there's enough time for it anyway. With doing these things, I think that myself, as well as I've been looking for the holy men, and like, if Jesus is here, I want to find him. If Baba G is here, I want to find them. That's why I traveled to China to train with Shaolin monks to see if they could actually do that superhuman stuff that I thought. If there's a guru in India that can disappear, reappear, um, if life and masters of the Far East is real, if Yogananda was legit, are these masters here now? And so what I want to ask you is, in your view, um, do you think that they're here? And from all of your experiences, what do you perceive um, as like God and the universe and this reality and, and what would be useful for somebody to take home from these experiences? Because I think a lot of the Westerners, like we said, like you're young and it starts out like I'm going to go get these spiritual experiences and take them and then I'm going to know something. But at age 50 or whatever, you're like, I don't know anything. And I was literally reflecting this weekend. I was uh, at David Lonebear's wedding as a Native American elder teacher. And I'm sitting and I was like, I do all these podcasts and I've traveled to all these different countries. I don't know anything. I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, is this helping me or anyone else? I don't know right now. And so you get to this humbling space. So I just want to ask you, like, what have you found that has been useful? And do you think that this stuff is real? And, and just like the biggest questions, like, what have you come to? And please finish the story too. But because I think that that answer is going to be um, dove into properly as well. So I just want to make sure I squeeze it in. We'll answer that. And I'm going to make the other. Let's just end all those stories at that point. I'll let you hanging. But what I came back was I had a, a, I had a lump on my spiritual eye. First trip to India, I come back and I got a lump, right? So I go to the doctor and they go, that's cancer. Operate immediately. Nine stitches, the spiritual eye, they removed a cancerous tumor from my spiritual eye. 
And talk about getting a cleansing. You go to India seeking truth and cleansing and all that stuff, and you come back in your first few weeks back, you have cancer. Let me think about symbolism here. You have cancer removed from your spiritual life. I don't know. I thought that was a t I thought that was great at the time. My wife thought I was nuts. She goes, "You celebrate that?" I go, "Yeah, I'm even not even wearing a bandage because I think the nine stitches are kind of cool right on the forehead. Right there's nine stitches. I mean, anyway, that's amazing. So, well, and you're gonna well, see it that way too. And your perspective of all these things w was amazing. Like you know, each part of that story, I wanted to dive in, but let you finish it because uh, I've had similar experiences in different ways of like close and close counters with uh, animals, near death experiences being in a place and like having that trust, but your, your perspective around all of it was just incredibly empowering, you know, and, and like the Cobra face to face, I wouldn't have been chill. I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid of snakes too bad, but if one is around my neck and looking at me, I'm going to freak out. Um, and it's going to bite me right in the face. <laughs> so you just had that reverence of relaxed attitude. I'm telling you, it's a state of mind. For example, I've never, I haven't been comfortable with with spiders. Well, when I was in India at this ashram in 2009 and I had a sleep bag and I opened it up at midnight or something to get into it and I shine a flashlight in and there must have been 75 to 100 different kind of spiders, creepy crawlies that were in my, that were in the sleeping bag. How did that happen? I don't know. And so what did I do? I just opened it up, took my hand in the dark and went all out and you know, they're on the floor and didn't go anywhere, right? And I just went in there went to sleep. I was in the same ashram and and I was focused on the rats that we had. I had a rat problem at the time. And they were running up in the, the you know up on the roof and everything and I could hear them and and I, it was so cold. You could see your breath inside the, the, the building, right? And this rat jumps up and it goes under the blanket I'm on and it's in the blanket and it's on my stomach and everything. And one's on my neck. One's, behind, one's on my head. What do I do? I go, to hell with it. I'm going to sleep. Because I fight these guys all night, right? As soon as, I, as soon as I did that, they left. But it's mental attitude. I'll bet you that things that have happened to me, if you read my books, you'll say, oh, that's a bad thing. I don't even say that. I never say that. There's, I've been blown up, shot up, been wounded, uh, been in car crashes, uh, helicopter crashes. Motorcycle crashes. I've fallen off two-story house, my house twice, fed on cement floor. I mean, everything you think of. Uh, quadruple heart bypass surgery, uh, 12 heart attacks, three near-death experiences. The list goes on, right? I've been shot at, everything. I even have one in the heart in my chest protector. That's another whole story. We can talk about that the next time. So it's all just stuff. When I was in combat in Vietnam, explosions. Bullets going. I'm talking just like I am right now. In fact, if I was telling you this story in the middle of the battlefield, you'd be going, okay, finish the story. We're getting shot at. Let's go. And I'd, I'd be still talking the story. You couldn't finish me talking. I'm going to talk. You know, stuff's going. Explosions. I'm not there. I'm not mentally in the danger. I'm not there. So what I've learned is the only thing, we talked about this before we went on air. To me, the only thing that's real is love and for these young people out there I mean anybody younger than 73 that's young um, for young people out there if you're spending all your time looking for the perfect meditation and it's a great i mean you know kriya yoga is you know way to go right hamsa all these other techniques but it's not the tools 
that makes the great carpentry get done. It's the carpenter. Same thing with meditation. You give you give a great meditator with great intentions and love a simple meditation technique, and he's going to go into samadhi. So people get so focused on doing, doing. Let's leave it at that. So focused on doing. They're involved in the technique. When they get a question with the guru, what do they ask? Well, do I breathe this way? Do I hold my fingers this way? Do I imagine it up and down my spine? It's all technical questions. You're talking to God. If you're really looking at your guru, who's right way, you look at, you're talking to God, ultimately, if you believe that in your heart. Why do you got to ask anything? When I around my guru, I ask nothing. Nothing. I, I reached the point of going, because my guru is only going to give two two kinds. Of, he gives two advice, two two pieces of advice. Everybody comes to him. I listen to him. He, he disguises it. Looks like different ways. But I got him. I said, "Look, it sounds like you're only giving two pieces of advice." He says, "Yeah, don't put me out of business." Yeah, that's what I do. He says, and he goes, "I tell people." He, he tells people, "Do more kriya yoga. Do more meditation. Right? It's your karma. Deal with it. In other words, adjust your attitude. It's your karma, man. Deal with it. Move on." That's it. That's you can disguise it and say do this, take you know, you can give a half hour advice and still come down to two things. Meditate and forget about it. Deal with it. That's it's yours, you earned it, it's yours. Unwrap the gift, figure it out, you know, and do it. So if I'd known what I know now, uh, I don't know if I would have changed much of, of direction because the journey itself was wonderfully interesting. And it gives me a background, a resume, let's say, for explaining things and sharing things with others. I'm not going to be around forever, but hopefully some of these stories that, that they will be, and people realize that, you know what, miracles still happen. But people aren't open to it. And I'll give you an example of that. My last trip to India, 2011, I'm at Yogaraj's uh, ashram i had just had a should have been a fatal heart attack i was introducing him in mumbai and stuff and he was at the stadium and anyway he, he had a morning sunrise free workshop where he's teaching people how to do surya which is this energizing process from the sun bringing sun into your body and everything and, and i've heard it done hundreds of times and it has a certain method but i'm in the back aisle of this auditorium or this uh, amphitheater and I collapse. I have a heart attack. I'm laying down. You know, in India, you're laying down and have a heart attack. Thousands of people around you. Nobody does anything. They ignore you. I go, he's having a heart attack. I'm just, just watching the guru. I'm serious. They just, I'm down there dying, going, you know, nobody even sees me. So the guru's doing his thing. All of a sudden, he stops. He can't see me from where he's at. No way he can see me. The way he's standing up, right? And I'm laying down. And so as everybody does this ridiculous thing, he says, I want everybody to visualize the power, healing power, the energy of the sun going into the heart chakra. And he goes through this visualization of the sun and the heart and the healing. And he goes on repetitively for a half hour. And everybody's going, this is not what it has in the book. This is so finally, I'm getting better, stronger. Finally, I'm healed. I get up. And he goes from the stage. He goes, be healed. Come down. So I come down. I'm walking across the stage. And there's all these thousands of people. And he goes, how many times have I got to save your butt? <laughs> so you know what happened so in the story but anyway so my last day there i'm at the ashram and i'm sitting there in the kitchen and i got my back to the kitchen door 
and you're back again. We're talking about somebody looking at you. Somebody's looking at me. And I turn around, and there's Sira Tishwar standing here. That's Yogananda's guru. And uh, he's got his arms folded, then he has his arms behind his back. And I'm feeling it. And I'm going, well, I just had a major heart attack. I just got back from the ER, and I got to go home for surgery. So I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm getting delusional because I'm dying again, right? Getting ready for another near-death one. So I had about five people in the room. So I asked this, this woman from Sweden or no, uh, must have been Sweden or Denmark, where country she was from. She was into yoga, you know, the exercises and all that. And she was new to meditation. I said, you see anything? She goes, you're crazy. I don't see nothing. What are you talking about? And somebody else that was with her, they didn't see anything. I said, okay. And then this guy from Texas, young guy from Texas, he goes, Bill, he says, I see bright, shiny ball of light behind you, emanating a feeling of love. He says, I just feel love and light. And I said, good. So that's a guy I've been meditating a long time. And then there was this other guy, Brian Yosefish, uh, a lawyer. So even lawyers are spiritual. Let's let the record show that. Sorry, Brian, wherever you're at. Uh, <laughs> uh, friend. So I asked Brian, I said, Brian, you see anything? And he says, oh, you're going to think I'm crazy. I said, no. What do you see? He says, I see Seward Teshwar standing behind you with his hands folded behind his back, much like Gurnoff does when he's around you. I said, yes, that's what I see too. And I realized then that even though there was five people experiencing the same energy base with the same potential of seeing this, two saw exactly what it was. One saw the light and felt the love, and two others, nothing. Reminds you of all the stories about Christopher Columbus when he sailed into the Americas, when he got to the islands, three ships pulled in the harbor, and the Indians, natives there didn't see him sitting right in the harbor because they didn't believe it. Their minds didn't accept it. They didn't believe it, so they didn't see it. It's like, what? And I didn't believe that was possible until I watched some dumb TV show uh, called Brain Games or something where the University of uh, UCLA did an experiment and they took 30-some students, put them in a class, told them, your grade for this test is totally dependent on you getting the right answer. You better focus on it totally. This is going to be weighted really heavy on your final grade. You're supposed to observe these dancers. There's four dancers on stage. You see, and they're dancing. You're supposed to count how many times they change partners. If you're right, you get an A, right? I'm going to ask you a question. If you get that question right, so yeah, what you've been concentrating on, you'll get an A. So it wasn't, you know, they were they were invested. So they danced for about four minutes. He gets through and he goes, okay, who's got the right answer? And they got all, he says, no, 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 no. How many of you saw the man in a gorilla suit dancing around each group? And then they laughed because they thought he was, and then they showed the video to the group and nobody in that group had seen a guy in a gorilla suit dancing around all four four dancers, couples, and then exit the stage. Not one person had seen it. They weren't expecting it. Their mind wiped it out. So young people, meaning children, toddlers, four, five, three, two, they're very close from their journey from, from heaven. They still know angels. They still got angel dust on their breath. 
they know and they're aware. And when they say, oh, I used to ride horses, Grandpa, or I used to fly helicopters, they're telling the truth. They did. They have some past life thing. Or if they talk to ghosts, or they see angels, believe them. So I've also learned that we're not always a teacher. If we think we're so brilliant, we're always a teacher. You're always the guru, you're always the teacher. We are always the student. We learn from absolutely everybody and everything in our life teaches us something. So you learn from a child, you learn from a homeless person, you learn from a CEO, you learn from YouTube videos. You know, you flick through there and you, why am I watching this video? And all of a sudden you discover something in that video, two minutes of it or 30 seconds, you go, wow, that, the rest of it forget, but I need to hear that, right? So I'm finding when people find my YouTube videos, I get those kind of responses like, you know, I was going through this and then I found your video and boom, it just answered my question. Well, I didn't know they were coming and I didn't do it on purpose for them, but the universe directs people. I don't help anybody. I don't heal anybody. I don't help anybody. I'm here. I'm a willing participant. I'm a willing conduit. But if somebody, because people, oh, you've healed me. I've watched your video. I'm healed. No, you healed yourself. Your belief in what I'm selling, love, Babaji, whatever. But ultimately, the one healing guru at all levels is within us. We are the healer. We are the true guru. The only trouble is we're deluded. You know, you, you tell people, well, listen to your heart, listen to your intuition. Well, I'm telling you, there's people, I'm telling you, don't do that because there's people out there, uh, they're crazy and they think, you know, they're, you know what I mean? What, that they can Napoleon in the last lifetime. In this lifetime, they're going to, you know, do all kinds of crazy things. So, no, don't listen to it. You have to have wisdom to be able to, you have to be wise enough to listen to your intuition. So it's a fine line between listening to intuition and listening to crazy voices within you. It's, yesterday I watched a YouTube video. What's that guy, Sadhu Guru or something? Yeah, Sadhu Guru. I, he, gave, he gave an example and somebody was talking about how come you need a guru or something. I don't know what the question was, but his answer was brilliant. He says, you got a nose. Right in the center of your lips. He says, but if you didn't brush your teeth for two or three weeks, everybody in the room would know. They would smell your breath. But you, right under your own nose, would never know. So that was his idea of how come you need somebody else to tell you? Because you can't see your own faults. You need somebody to hold a mirror up for you. So my advice to people are seeking, trying to find God alone is like trying to get to the top of Everest without a Sherpa. You need a Sherpa. You need a guru. You need somebody that's been to the top. And you have to have trust and faith because you need the blessing. You can only do so much. You need that extra blessings. So trying to find God on your own can get very dangerous. And that's why some, some really very spiritual people went kind of off the whackers here. Who's that guy, Osha, that had that place up in Oregon and had all the guns and everything? And I mean, he didn't have a guru, he even admitted it. No guru that didn't. When he, when he reached Samadhi, he didn't have a guru to slap around and say, hey, go sweep the floor, chop firewood, gather water. No big deal. Just live your life. He reached Samadhi. It was like he had all this uncontrolled kundalini energy. You need somebody there to just say, whoa, buddy. Go within. Relax. 
because without guidance, it's like it's like trying to get from point A, point A to point B without a map or GPS. You know, you wander. So yeah, so get a Sherpa, guru, guide, teacher, master, whatever it is that you need. You need somebody. If you can't find a living master, then go for one through his books, through his teachings. But follow someone or something or some line. And realize that you're not always a teacher. I don't care how elevated you are and you can teach karate and you can teach Kriya Yoga. And people think, people think you're this wondered person. People think that you're spiritual. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. You're a student. I'm a student. You're a student. Just like everybody else. Every day, lessons are gifted to me. I learned a lot from some, some people I, that most people would never talk to. I mean, they'd say, oh, that's crazy, man. But you know, even a clock that doesn't work is right twice a day. Right? So sometimes crazy people say something that isn't. You know? Just because I say I'm paranoid doesn't mean that nobody's following me, right? Well, that's true. So, <laughs> so there's, there's a world out there that's waiting for us to grab it. Don't wait for tomorrow. Well, I'll be happy when my ship comes in, when I win the lotto, when I get a better job, when I meet the right person, you know, and when I get in shape, when I get my health back, whatever. Forget that. If you're not happy now, you're not going to be happy tomorrow. It's not your circumstances that create your happiness. Happiness is created by your attitude. If you're still breathing, there's a reason why you're here. You have a duty to serve and to love, to give, not get. Everybody's out there, even when they pray. I watch people, when they pray, oh, please, please save my grandma. She's, she's only 98 years old, and she's sick. Don't let her die, God. It's like God doesn't know exactly what her time is, right? Come on. People go to God or whoever they pray to, like they're going to Santa Claus. Lord, I need a new Mercedes Benz. Lord, I need a new job. I need my health. I need peace. I need enlightenment. Even that is a want. I want enlightenment. Well, it's a noble thing to want, but that's wanting something. When you pray and go to God, it should be, I love you, God. I don't care what you give me. Give me nothing. I'm here. Let's spend the time together. Divine romance. That's all it's about. So when you go to meditate, you're meditating to give God something which he doesn't have already. Your free will, giving him love. And you're not asking for anything in return. And you can meditate for 20, 30 years and nothing happens. Granddaughter's calling me. If you meditate for 20 years, uh, if you're still asking for stuff and you're still seeking stuff, you're not going to get it. It's, you, you stopped at the door. You know, the meditation will take you up to the stairs to the doorway. But to get in the door, you need love. And love takes all these other definitions, you know, compassion, service, you know, all that rest of that stuff. But too many people are just, I want out of here. This, I hear these young people. This is my last lifetime. I'm out of here. Yeah, you know, I'm going, yeah, okay, fine. All right. And I'm looking at them and they're still doing... 
yeah, man, I'm out of here this lifetime, man. You know, I just, I'm not hooked on weed. I could stop smoking marijuana anytime I want. How long have you been smoking it? Well, it says I've been 14. How old are you now? 75. What, you know, I can quit anytime I want. Anyway, so still looking for something. You still want things. When you wake up one day and the only thing you want is divine love. You want to just give love. St. Francis said it well, St. Ignatius Loyola said it well. It's always about giving, not getting, listening, not talking. There's one for me, right? Put that on your list. And so, <laughs> but it's always about giving. It's not about getting. I mean, if getting was the answer, that means the richest man in the room should be the happiest because he gets the most. He gets all the perks, right? He gets the cars, he gets the babes, he gets everything. He's got, I'm going, no. It's all an inner game. So when you learn the inner game, that's all just about love. And then when somebody does you wrong, oh my God, I'm never going to talk to this person again. I can never forgive him. Who are you? Are you better than God? That you can't forgive something? God can forgive him, but I can't. No. Or worse than that. God can forgive me, but I don't. I can't forgive me. So you're really saying you're better than God. You got a higher level of, you know, taste. I can't, you know. You got to forgive yourself. I don't care if you've been an alcoholic, a drug addict, you've been in wars, you've done crazy things, you're in jail, uh, you've been adulterous. You don't. You wake up now, this moment. You say, you know, I am not that. That's why I got a little issue sometimes with 12-step groups I'm they're wonderful I hope they continue to grow and serve because they they're a god-given thing but I think if you're in it long enough you have to realize every day when you wake up and you go to a meeting and you say I am a a druggie I am an alcoholic it's like saying I am a sinner I am be careful what you put after I am you're just reaffirming that right that's like on my I, I make these dog tags I make these dog tags and I give them out to vets and people it says I am love you know because I spent a couple I spent some time with uh, uh, Dr. Emoto the guy that did the water crystals you know and he puts love on a bottle of water and it changes it I thought well since we're mostly water so I put I love on this dog tag and then it says in Latin, basically in Latin, it says, uh, love conquers all. Spirit warrior, uh, chaplain, I give these out. But basically, it's about I am love. And that's hanging around your neck every day. You just labeled yourself as I am love. I'm not a sinner. Some people sin sometimes. They're not sinners. They're lovers. And since we're all God, we're all one, we're all coming and going from the same source. We are the source. And as soon as we realize that we are one, then this whole play is over for us. Just erase us out of this play. Oh, Bill, he never existed. He's, he's not here. He woke up. He's awakened. He's become one. So people keep thinking, well, uh, I, I reached Samadhi. I reached this. I, like, they're out of here. No, you just go to another body. As long as you keep in... in in, incorporating new bodies, whether it's an astral body, casual body, physical body, a rainbow body, body of light. It's all bodies. 
because there's still self-identity. You're still identifying with the, with you as a thing, as something. When you no longer identify, there's no need for a body. So anybody you've met just walking around, guru otherwise, says, hey, I'm, no, you still got a body. <laughs> you know, so you're still working just like I am. So we're all still working at it. Now, some people are farther up the mountain. You know, some are standing on Everest. You know, they're waving the flag, you know, they're out of breath, but there they are. Some people are still in the valley, but we're all connected with that rope that the Sherpa gave us. And that Sherpa, the guide, be it Babaji or whoever, Jesus, wherever you fall, you just keep pulling on that rope. And you know, you're never going to get lost because if you fall, you're on the rope. So I got a couple of rules with people that work with me right where I help and I always tell people, I said, you know how you feel when I help you? Yeah. I said, it's your job now. And I said, and you sense this. You don't judge it. You just sense it. You just hope you, you know, you don't look for somebody that's less than you or more than you. But intuitively, you go to people for advice. You feel have a little more wisdom than you do or a little more evolved. And by the same token, there's people that are looking at you as somebody evolved from where they're at. How dare you not help them? So there's this reach up and reach down thing. You reach up. Your job is to reach up to the next guy at the next level. I'm going to learn something from this guru, right? I'm reaching up. How dare I not reach down to help somebody else? Not judging them. You just, you're not doing it, you know, deliberately with a judgment. You just, you just help people. The universe will send you people. Realize that everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be hugged. Everybody wants to be heard. And if you go through life, given those three things, you'll be a beloved soul. Ama, is that her name? She goes out and she hugs everybody. Everybody wants a hug, right? What's not to like? But there's other ways to do it. It's like you're traveling, you're in, a, you're in your car, you pull up the corner and there's this guy, give me, give me money, you know, I'm st- you know, for whatever. And so you turn, you don't want to look at him, you know, I don't want to reach for change. I, I can't give to all these beggars. Instead of just saying, Jesus, bless that man. Bless him. Or just saying to him, I love you mentally, you know, not making a show out of it. Just, it's all done silently. Send that man love. Visualize love around him. Later on that night when you go to bed, you remember that guy? Send him some love. So if everybody's in this game just for themselves, we're in trouble. America first. Russia first. Canada first. Even on the national plane, you have to look at after everybody. Because if your poor brother's down there ain't getting taken care of, they're going to get angry and mad. And then you got a problem you got to deal with, right? Spread it out. Spread your love out. There's room for everybody in the tent. And there's room for all face. You know, people think, well, you know, you, you know, Jesus was, uh, no, I tell people, no, look, Jesus, I love Jesus. I worship Jesus. But I tell you what, Jesus wasn't a Christian. Buddha wasn't a Buddhist. Krishna wasn't uh, whatever he was, right? And none of these, they were just spiritual beings. And when you go to heaven, God ain't looking for a passport. Oh, you're not Christian? You ain't getting in. Step over there. This whole thing is about living a life of love 
and service. Uh, some of my friends are going to hear this and watch this and say, where's this guy? How, where's Bill? Where's he at? Where, where's this guy? You can't be everything to everybody. And I'm telling you this, God is. God is everything. God is everybody. Therefore, God is all religions. How you choose culturally, emotionally to worship God is your choice. I'm not going to try to change it. I feel comfortable as a Christian. Great. I'm not going to shove it down somebody else's neck. That guy wants to be a Hindu. Okay. He wants to be a Buddhist. Okay. No problem. I don't think God has a trouble, any problem with that at all. Anyway, these, these kind of things you say and always get you in trouble. So I know you'll get some comments on this. Like, who is this guy thinking? No, but, man. That, yeah. Those are, those are fine with me. I think, I think a lot of it, like with, with, the way people are going, the podcast is in religion and spirituality, but I think it's, it's so important, especially in today's day to be tolerant of other people's view. And I think it is the same thing. Worshiping God through whatever path you're taking is the, is ultimately the same ideal. But when I went to the parliament of world religions, what I noticed anyway, was that some of the religions create a, a consequence and reward for the afterlife. And I think that's when things get a little bit tricky. I don't personally agree with that view, but if you do go for it, if you're wanting to connect to a higher power in your own way. Um, so I'm definitely, I'm definitely on board with that, but it can, you know, people have certain views. Um, but man, all of this, I could listen to you share stories all day. I want to go literally just one by one of like the, you know, the Vietnam and we like UFO or Holy Man or, or whatever. Um, I'm going to invite again people to check. What's your YouTube channel? I want before we wrap up because I got to run, but where can people find more about you? Where can people reach out? Where can people dive more into your, your teachings and stories and books? I want to make sure you get that in, that, in there as well. Okay, they can go to my website. It's really easy. And on my website, I got YouTube videos and I got my books and stuff. So if they go to www, which is, I guess everybody's, right? Rev, R-E-V-B-I-L-L-M-C-D-O-N-L-D. In other words, Rev Bill McDonald, all one word, dot com. So Rev Bill McDonald dot com. You go there, you can find links to my videos. You can find stuff to my books. And uh, yeah, for some people, especially my veteran community out there, they, they might enjoy reading my autobiography. And it takes them through Vietnam and all that stuff. And it takes them to, you know, levels. And then this was my 10-year quest back and forth to India and everything. And uh, we just scratched the tip of the iceberg on that today. I mean, literally, that was the first journey and I left out a lot. But the good thing about books is you can take your time, you can read it, you can stop, you can reflect. But if people want to get a hold of me, they can get me on Facebook, Rev Bill McDonald, send me a friend request. Um, and uh, email, if they want to email me, you can get that off my website because there's too much that I'm never going to write it all down. I'm going to remember writing it down. But so, Rev Bill McDonald, R-E-V-B-I-L-L-M-C-D-O-N-L-D, just like the hamburger, right? And, uh, but I am, I am not the sun. I'm only a shadow. I, I'm only a voice. I'm not trying to represent myself as anything more than just somebody that's having some interesting stuff going on. I'm trying to inspire you, cheer you on spiritually. I'm more of a spiritual cheerleader. I, I, I don't want followers. I don't want, you know, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for people to follow their own path, their own heart, find their guru, find their teacher, 
If it's Jesus, great. If you're going to be a Catholic or you're going to be a Protestant, whatever it is, whatever you're doing, don't go about it sloppy. Just do it. Get into it full way. If you're seeking God, then go to church. Go to the temple. Do whatever you're supposed to do. But follow it. You know, if that's the path you're going to take, don't be a hypocrite. Do it. I respect it. I respect all paths, all true paths. Now, if you've got an organization you belong to that abuses people and there's you know, craziness, well, that's for your judgment. Take a look at it. Um, because there's, there's some things going on out there that aren't right. and You've got to take a look at that. But I'm talking about the basic, the basic stuff here. So, again, spirituality is different than religion. Religion is more about dogma, beliefs, ceremonies. Got to do a puja, got to do a mass, got to do the rosary, you know, whatever it is. You know, something, and this is going to sound terrible, but if you just prayed to God with your own heart, didn't know anything, it's going to be received. You know, there's nothing special. You don't have to have a special man tell you that, okay, now you can do this because I give you the holy words to read. I think God listens to children with their simple words. It's the heart. So many paths to God. But if you're going to follow religion, follow religion. I mean, be it. Be the epitome of that. You know, if you're supposed to do it. There's progress can be made there. There's a path. You have to find a path. Basically, your religion is your guru then. Follow it. And if somebody else is, man, Somebody else doesn't believe like you, let it go. Come on. That's all these new religions form because somebody else goes, Oh, I can't be with the Catholic Church. Now I got to be a Methodist or a Protestant or, you know, a Lutheran or whatever. You know, it's like, What? Were they all following Christ? Now you got 500 denominations of Christianity at least, right? So it's like, same thing with Buddhism. There's many denominations, and, and, and Muslims, there's many denominations. And you go down the list. Everybody's got a different idea. You know what? Let them all be. Doesn't matter. If it feels comfortable for you, great. If the, if the suit fits, wear it. Anyway, so. I, anyway, I, uh, I probably, got, I, could, I could go on, so you got to stop me at some point. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I agree. And, and your stories are incredibly captivating and I, and I know we only um, touched the tip of the iceberg because I had to edit some of your bio it was longer and I and I looked through some of the videos you're posting and and all the work in your book it's really really incredibly fascinating stuff and you know I think for people what I would hope that they get from this is that you know your perspective is powerful and your experiences are real to you and you're forging your own path and sharing what you've learned with other people but it's not it's not common people don't believe in miracles really they don't you know you don't we don't see the world in the way that you're viewing it and you're getting a direct experience. That's very fascinating. It's, it's different than the norm and people can look at that and they can experience it and, and, and learn from your experience um, and then just take from it whatever they wish. So I uh, just thank you for walking the path and, and sharing your incredibly fascinating stories. And if people want to learn more, I invite them to check out your book and your channel. I know there's more, um, but is there anything else that you want to um, leave the listeners with before we, Close yeah, it let, up. Let, let, let me plug something here because I'm out there working with veterans with my spiritual warrior ministries, and I have other chaplains out there, all face, all face. I'm covering the whole thing here. And we're dealing with veterans who've had near death experiences. We're dealing with veterans who've had spiritual experiences in combat. 
you know, like they had, they had an angel encounter on the battlefield or they've seen their dead mother there talking to them or whatever. They've had miracles, actual miracles. And the military doesn't believe or subscribe to miracles. <laughs> you know, so this guy comes out, he has a, a battlefield death, right? And he comes back and says, that, you know, he had a near-death experience. Then they think he's psychotic and they drug him up and, you know. And so we've had some ba bad uh, treatment here for some vets. So my organization is looking into that. International Association of Near-Death Studies has invited me this year to be a keynote speaker outside of Philadelphia, a place called King of Prussia, which I didn't even know was a city, but apparently it's a city, by Valley Forge. And they got a conference going on there, and we got the workshop. Uh, it costs to go to the thing, but the workshop for the veterans is free. That's open to anybody. Veteran can come, they contact us, we'll tell them how to, to, to go there. So we're accepting, and I got uh, a bunch of people helping with that workshop, and we're going to be letting these people know that spiritual things happen to people, even in the military. You're not crazy. And you don't need drugs for it. So we're working with that. So that's my big passion right now. And um, Believe it or not, that's a big audience out there. More than you realize. And they're being ignored because all the new age people, all we don't want to do with vets, you know, the vets, you know. So me working yeah. with vets is a very narrow, I can't think of anybody else that's doing like I'm doing. Uh, so it's, I'm taking them down a different path. I did. Yeah. I used to chase. I used to chase all the new agers. Oh, I want to do it. That all these guys, you know. And then they go, "Oh, you're, you're a veteran. You were in the war. Oh, and they pass all these judgments and stuff. And it's like you can't be a spiritual person if you were a warrior." And I'm going, "Really? What happened to Saint Ignatius and and Saint Francis? They were all veterans, and uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera." He's go down the list. And, and Krishna had Arjuna out there in the battle fighting the war, right? I mean, where'd you come up with this idea? So. They were orphaned by all these spiritual seekers, by judgments. So I'm now opening the door and saying, no more judgment. You got a place to go. And you don't have to change your religion to go there. Be whatever religion you want to be. We're happy. But we'll talk spiritual with you. So that's my big thing now. So I'm, I'm giving these dog tags out to guys across the country. I got books I give. I give away a lot of my books. Every time I sell a book, when I sell these books, you know, if I, it's not a very good business plan. What I do is if I sell a case of books, then I can give away two cases. It's like my wife and friends go, how do you make any money on that? And I go, yeah, it's not what it's about. It's about the message. I can't take any money from this. But if I, if you can afford to pay for it, I want you to pay because then I can give it to the guy who can't, especially veterans or somebody said, I just said a couple of books to a guy in prison here just a few weeks ago. So they're not going to go out and buy it. Here you go. You got nothing on your you, Read it in jail, especially in jail. You got nothing else to do but read, right? So read. So, so that's my mission. It's uh, spend the time that I got left trying to open up people's hearts and minds to be tolerant, non-judgmental. If somebody's watched this through to this far, they're probably with me. But the other people I probably lost after the first 20 minutes as they start talking about gurus and stuff, I lost some people. And then I started losing more people in this, in watching this that said, what do you mean all religions are good? All pathways lead to God. It's always the individual. There's some enlightened beings that are of all religions. And there's some terrible evil people in all religions. No monopolies. You know, so it is what it is. 
Yeah. Yeah. And working, I just want to say working with uh, veterans is, is so incredibly important. And uh, I just think it's very powerful work to share that. And it's interesting because it's uh, veterans like war and other, uh, I'm trying to figure out, it could be just war that I'm thinking of, but I feel like there's uh, other big categories where people like, you know, they don't think about spirituality. They don't think about a connection, but like war is almost the most spiritual thing in the, in a way because people are dying. And that's, you're going to death. And so you're meeting your maker. It's, you know what I mean? You're not going to have that same, it might not be the most spiritual act. Like I don't agree with killing. And you said something in the beginning because I have, uh, you know, reservation with like, I use the example of like changing your reality. Like you could choose to go to war and have people shoot at you, or you could choose to, you know, go to a soup kitchen or become an accountant. They're going to be two very different realities. You get to choose that. And, um, but you said something at the beginning was just like, you know, I went to war. It wasn't something that I necessarily agreed with. It was listening to one government and another government. And that's the issue here. I think on the planet is we need to figure out this governmental stuff, sending people to war. If you want to make that choice, then sure that that's, that's your choice. Um, but, um, you know, then, especially in America, they go to, they go to war and then they have no friggin' support for them. First of all, don't send them is my stance. Stop sending people to war. So what, it, what there's like a quote that says like, uh, letting, letting children fight old men's battles, you know, and this has been happening since the dawn of time. Like we got to stop murdering people on mass scales. And if you do go to war, you need to be supported in a spiritual way because you, if you kill someone or you witness that, uh, PTSD or whatever, that's going to change how you view reality. And that's where it can open up and, and you need some help transitioning and kind of alchemizing that intense experience, you know? And I, yeah, so it's a whole thing. So I'm, I'm just happy that you're out there providing some sort of support because it's really important. Let me talk about this just briefly. Or it's like, thou shall not kill. But if a police officer shoots this guy that's getting ready to slit a woman's throat or got a gun to some kid's head that's going to pull the trigger, he, he shoots that guy, he kills him. Thou shall not kill. He just killed that guy. The sudden surgeon's trying to save your life and he's doing heroic surgery on you, but he makes a slight error. His hand, he cupped or something, his hand cut your artery and you die. He killed you. Thou shall not kill. What was his intentions? He was trying to save your life, right? Somebody else goes into battle. He's right next to you. He's shooting because if he doesn't get you coming, you're going to shoot his buddy next to him. And that's his friend. He can't, he can't sit there and say, let's see, what should I do philosophically? And you get killed over here. That's wrong on his part. He has a duty. So he shoots. He doesn't hate you. Shooting you, the enemy, the so-called enemy, he's not the enemy, you're the opposition. You're somebody coming trying to shoot him. When you take and you're not fighting the enemy, but you see the enemy is reflection of yourself. I prayed for, I prayed for everybody I shot at in Vietnam. I prayed for I shoot my shooting gun. I was praying for everybody. There was no hate. Never. I knew they were just following their duty and their dharma just like I was. I had to protect people in my helicopter. No time for a philosophical discussion with them. Hey guys, let's stop and talk. Yeah, Ho Chi Minh sucks. Uh, LBJ's terrible. Nixon's bad. You know, no, can't do that. Even Arjuna argued with Krishna over this whole issue. A great battle, right? 
And what was he told? He was fighting his brothers, family, cousins, people, relatives. He was told he had a duty. And the people on the other side had their duty, even though they may not have believed in the cause. That thing was being played out for a different reason, and we don't even know what it was. There's, there's what's happening in the real world, and then there's things that are behind the scenes. Like when you have a war, it changes things. And sometimes that war keeps you from going to, a, like dropping the atomic bomb in Japan, terrible thing. We haven't dropped a bomb since, have we? It woke us up to, I mean, it's been 75 years. And we've had it, and Russians have had it, and all these other people have had it, and nobody's exploded one. The terror of that and the images and what all it did, the sacrifice of all those people, shook up society spiritually. Because even though we were the good guys, so-called good guys, we were the good guys and we dropped atomic bomb, not on a military base, <laughs> a fleet of ships, on a city. It's like bombing San Francisco, right? So that was a tough one. It saved lives. And then you got to ask the old argument was, well, it saved both sides' lives. Maybe it did. And if it saved a million lives on each side, was it a bad thing? So there's all these levels where you start judging things and you, you don't know the whole thing. We don't know with, with all the atrocities that happened during World War II, it also created great heroes, great heroes, inspired men. You know, those people that survived the death camps, wrote books, you know, and, and loving people and forgiveness. And Israel became a country. Now, if, if the Jewish nation or the Jewish people hadn't gone through what they went through, the empathy there for them worldwide would not have been so great that we would have never got Israel, not our lifetime. So that prompted Israel's birth. So you go, is that good? So, so then you start judging, is that good or bad? So you can't judge these things, good or bad. And so a soldier in battle, this guy firing his weapon, is trying, he hates the enemy. I hates all of that. He hates the Arabs. He, he, hates, he hates the Vietnamese. He hates whatever it is he's fighting. That's a different level than the guy over here that's only fighting to save his buddy and himself or it's his duty. Different level. Different karmic consequences. Just like you're driving down the road and out of the, out of the dark, there's a kid, you run him over and you kill him. Wow, you feel terrible, man. You killed a kid. This other guy driving down the road, he's drinking alcohol. He's drugged out of it. He's just, and he plows through the kid, right? Are you, is that the same karma for both? Same result. One inattention and the other booze or alcohol, drugs. So you can't sit back and judge wars about killing. It's murder. There's a difference between murder and there's degrees of killing. And, and these same people that I've seen that are against war, oh, it's killing. Yet they're pro-women's reproductive rights, which means they're afraid of abortion. And I'm going, you take a seven-month-old kid out of there, and it's got hands and feet and heartbeat and eyes and it's thinking and whatever, and you kill it, well, it's a woman's right. And then 
and then, and you're against the death penalty for this guy that's, that's killed 20 people and he's in jail? Yeah, I'm against death penalty. But you're for abortion and you're against the soldier. At least get yourself in one box, please. You know, be against all killing or not. You know what the point is? The point is we're killing people every day. There's more people killed in abortions every year than we lost in World War II, Korea, World War II, and Vietnam in America. It is beyond all our military battles, losses, beyond it. Nobody wants to hear that. I don't want to put these women in jail, but I'm looking at it thinking, don't get righteous on me. You know, like, hey, you're getting, oh man, you're, you're a veteran, you're out there in war. And I'm going, well, we got people in this country in war every day killing infants, even though they're in the womb. And they can come up with all kinds of righteous things to justify that. They do. It's their right. There's no soul in there yet. There's, how do they know any of that? How do they know there's not a soul in there? How do they know that life didn't start with inception? How do they know that's not a living, breathing person in there that feels pain, suffering, thinks? People are not ready for that conversation. Or they're so far this way, anti-abortion, but they don't want to talk to this group that's so far this way on abortion, and nobody's talking to each other, and they're condemning each other, judging both each other. And that's a war that's terrible. But when you got to respect life, I respect life. And I was in a war. I respect life. Uh, you know, it's just more so even than the guy that wasn't in a war. I'm telling you, I, I really do. I value it. And I see the value every day when I wake up and I'm still alive and I got grandchildren and children. And, you know, I love them all. So I don't want to judge them. And, and like I said, it's, I lost the rest of your audience on the abortion issue. I know that already because they got this far, the abortionists are going, hey, I have a right to do that. And I'm going, I don't want to put you in jail. I think that's terrible. But I want to give you some alternatives. And there's a lot of people out there looking to adopt children. And there is contraception. Come on. You know, abortion should not be a form of contraception. So there you go. Going down another alley that uh, going to get mugged. Well, you definitely stirred the uh, judgment box. I think the important piece in that is the judgment of, of what we're doing. You know, that's, it's, it's easy to judge a lot of different things and to learn not to is very challenging because a lot, a lot of those things, I was like, I could go into it on like five of those things you said. I'm, I'm, I feel a different way on a lot of that, but that's okay. It's just letting someone do that and, and have a, have an experience and, and that's okay. But, um, I could go down all these rabbit holes with you all day. I got to, unfortunately I got to jump off. I got another meeting, but what I want to say is just thank you for your work and the veteran thing. And, and you, you have two other volunteer organizations. You do a lot. Um, a lot of it is of service and, um, you know, you're, you're actively making an impact out there. So I just want to thank you for your work and what you're sharing and what you're putting out there. And, um, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Is there anything else you want to say before we close out? All my opinions There's some are rabbit holes. <laughs> I am not necessarily the host of this station. And uh, I, I pass no judge. Honestly, I pass no judgment on anybody. It sounds like I did, but I don't. Um, I'm not a crusader. But I do pray for people. And I do pray for love. 
and I'm tired of everybody taking sides. And that, that issue is a huge issue in this country, and people taking sides on it. And um, it's like you're evil if you're if you're an abortionist, and you, you're super crazy liberal if you're the other way. And it's like, um, no, we're all human beings. Everybody's doing what they think is right. And I, I don't. I'm not a man charge the government because just because I think something's right or wrong doesn't make it right or wrong. Agree. Yep. And that's, and that's the strong suit because we definitely have polarizing opinions and that's why we need tolerance. Like you shared at the beginning, you know, people, people have very strong views one way or another on very uh, in subjects that, that are very uh, charged that create a lot of emotion and a lot of belief and a lot of certainty. So uh, tolerance is incredibly important, especially when um, facing a lot of the challenges that we have as a society, as individual preferences um, and how we navigate this world. So I agree with that as well. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Your website one more time so people can find, find that. RevBillMcDonald.com. Awesome. Reverend Bill. It's been a treat. I'm so excited about more of your stories. I know that we got like two, two fractions of like infinite rabbit holes, but uh, we'll be in touch, man. I, I wish I could go longer, but uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and I uh, appreciate everybody for listening. Okay. God bless. Okay. Take care. See ya. Peace. All right, there it is, guys. The absolutely amazing Reverend Bill McDonald. I hope that you enjoyed those two-part episodes. He is an absolutely <clears throat> amazing storyteller. I was just mind-blown the whole time. That man has had some incredible experiences. If you want to support the show, please share an episode, take a screenshot, share on Instagram, tag me at Matt Belair. Let me know where you're listening. I would love to hear from you guys, and I love seeing all those tags. They really help and go a long way. Please leave a you on iTunes, but uh, most importantly, do one kind act for another human being today if you want to support the show. Patreon also helps if you go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. Um, for those of you guys who want some coaching, just make an inquiry, Matt at zenathlete.com. Whether it's for you, an organization, or anything like that, hit me up and we will sort it out and uh, figure something out. So I think that wraps it up. We'll keep it nice and short and sweet today. Uh, make sure to head over to mattbelair.com, sign up for the email list, stay up to date, and to send out some more more emails. I'm going to be working on some things and uh, have some incredible podcasts coming up. So yeah, so I think that wraps it up. Let's keep it short and sweet. So have an amazing day. I really do appreciate you. Thank you for your time and your attention and your energy. I hope that this podcast is proving fruitful and helping you in some capacity, all of my love and appreciation. So let's close it out by coming to a state of peace and coherence. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just let it out slowly, filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, energy, inspiration, connection, and ready to take on the rest of the day. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.